Giving Credit is a podcast giving those making a difference their credit. On a weekly basis, we'll be interviewing parents, tech CEOs, financial experts, kid entrepreneurs, and others to learn about credit, education, financial literacy, and building wealth equity. Thanks for joining us. I am very, very excited to have Chris Odegaard, the prolific investor, here with us today on the Giving Credit podcast, bringing it back and uh, giving people sound advice. This is such an important topic, talking about investing, talking about money, talking about things that were taboo when we were growing up that really need to be demystified, right? So Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thanks, Annika, for having me on. I'm I'm looking forward to the conversation. I love talking about money, so let's let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, You know, I definitely have some money blocks, so I always love, I think, talking about it and hearing other people's stories helps me release some of those and like get that money, positive money mindset of like, yes, these are some things I need to do from my situation. So first, will you please share a little bit about your background with our audience? Yeah. So as you mentioned, today I'm the prolific investor, but I always, I always, I wasn't always that guy. I was a what I call a conventional investor for many years, and that means I was on what I now call the 401k highway to mediocrity. You know, I <laughs> I invest in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds through my employer's 401k, and that's you know i grew up in a family and that's what you did and that's what everybody i knew did and you get a job and that's what everybody there did and so i did that for a long time and um it went it worked about as well as it does for anybody mm-hmm. i would say and then in my um in my mid 40s i had this huge illiquidity event where i lost 55 percent of my assets and thousands of dollars a month and all of a sudden you know, this mediocre plan just got exponentially worse. And, you know, the alternatives are, let's see, work longer, you know, like forever, or, um, you know, grad, you know, um, you know, just have a really diminished lifestyle in your in your older years when you should really be, um, you know, having a great time, frankly. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, just kind of serendipitously, is that the right word? Just by coincidence, a, uh, a friend said, hey, Chris, there's this book you should read it. And I did pick it up and I, I it sat around for a long time before I did read it. But it was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. And uh, that just kind of opened my eyes to a whole different way of thinking about money and investing. And so, um, you know, I don't make up these terms. They're called alternatives, things that are outside of the stock market. I find it it's interesting that what's conventional and normal is some, the stock market. Uh, and what's alternative is something like real estate, which God invented when he, you know, it's been around yeah. forever, right? right. So, but that's the alternative. So I just use the language that, that that I've been given. But anyway, I started moving in that direction. And nine years later, after switching from, you know, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds to alternative, I looked back and uh, I had made up all of that money and multiplied it many times over. And I quit my corporate job and I, I haven't, I don't have to work if I want to, if I don't want to, and I've never looked back. And wow. so I started writing articles at the prolificinvestor.net, and I released a book last year talking about, you know, how to do this. And because it's it's uh, it's kind of the secret that's hidden right out there in plain sight, but it sounds too good to be true, and it's 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 scary. I, I can. It's like the first time uh, somebody said the Earth is round, and mm-hmm. up until that point, 
everybody had, had just knew it was flat. And when you're the only one that says, hey, your 401k really sucks, you know, yeah. people think you're crazy, right? But uh, I put the math behind the stuff and that's what I do now. So that's the short version. Amazing. So yeah, so you um, came from a family that didn't necessarily have conversations about money and finance, but it was a standard of this is what you do when you get a job. You, mm -hmm. you put your money away in this fund and at when you retire, you'll, this is the money that you'll have to live off of. Yeah. It's just that, that was the, you know, when I grew up in a middle-class family yeah. and, you know, and if you were, you know, or I, I'm just on the very edge of the baby boomer, but you know, like, you know, my parents, um, you know, just because of the way the economy and things happened after World War II, it was a rising tide that lifted all boats and, mm -hmm. you know, through, through, through nothing, but other than being at the right place at, at the right time, a lot of people in those, in that generation just ended up doing very well, you know, from an asset standpoint, when they hit their retirement years, I don't think today's uh, <laughs> young people are going to be so lucky. They're going to have to be a lot smarter. And I love what you do. I never thought about going back quite that young. I like to get, uh, <laughs> you know, get, uh, you know, people in their 20s, hopefully before they ever get on the 401k highway or get yeah. them off if, if they've already entered it. So, so what was your first um, venture into alternative <laughs> investments? Um, so my daughter had started uh, college and I knew that and she was in the dorm and I knew I mean, this is one of these four, you know, these things that you could just see happening. I said, okay, some, you know, some point in her four-year college, you know, uh, term up there, she's going to not want to live in the dorm anymore. And she's yeah. going to want to move off campus. And I thought I'll be darn if kind of, but if I'm going to pay somebody else's mortgage up there for, for those remaining three years. So sure enough, after her freshman year, she said, <laughs> Hey dad, I don't want to live, uh, you know, on the, in the dorms anymore. Can I move off campus? And I said, okay. And so she and I bought a duplex together. Oh, nice. And, and then, you know, she had a roommate on her side and we rented out the other side and she was living about a hundred miles away. And so she was doing some of the, you know, the tenant screening and showing of the place up there when we had, uh, you know, turnover and I was doing some of it, you know, from remotely. And uh, it would happen to be the time of President Obama's first time homebuyer tax credit. So oh. she and I were on the you know, two unmarried single people on the, <laughs> you know, uh, that's how they do it, you know, on the deed. Um, but she was a first time homebuyer. So we got a $12,000 check, I believe it was, in addition to, you know, the positive cash flow and the growth of that duplex for years after, uh, you know, she had graduated. And then we, then we finally sold it. So that was the that was the first one. And I remember in some real estate classes that I had taken with her younger brother, uh, the, the the guy talked about, look, don't waste time looking at properties that you don't have under contract. So mm -hmm. I put that, I put that, uh, so I followed the instructions, you know, <laughs> I, I did all the research remotely, looked at it on paper and I, you know, put it under contract before I ever saw it. Wow. And I said, so, and, and of course, you know, obviously I had the opportunity to do an inspection, but it was a great, don't, don't, don't drive around, you know, looking at things that you don't get it under control first you know, use your time wisely. So anyway, that was just a good lesson. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, put under contracts on sight unseen, you know. Yeah. So you, so you bought that and what a great way also to get your daughter involved in mm -hmm. investing and understanding money, credit, yep. cash flow, all of those life yeah. lessons Absolutely. that we don't learn in a classroom, right? Yep. And in, right. during the course of our study. Um, and also, I mean, I think college is a place where a lot of us get into trouble. Um, 
you go to college, you get, oh, I can get free pizza if I get this sign up for this credit card. Okay. Or I can get yeah. this. And then you don't realize like, oh, but compound interest, you have to pay back. And this is how it's going to affect you. Right. Um, right. So you, you kind of helped, I think, mitigate some of those issues by mm -hmm. going, hey, let's do this together. And you can right. really see where your money can go. Yeah. So did you then, um, you said you sold that one. Did you turn it into, do you flip it into other investments? Um, no, I, I, I bought, I bought some other small single family and multifamily units and, and had those at the same time. And then I moved on to notes and, um, so performing and non-performing notes. So a note is just a promissory note. It's, it's a loan. So if you own a house, you have a, you have a note and a bank might own that note or actually an investor like me mm. might own that note. So I did that for a while and have really just run the whole gamut of alternative investments. And it's really kind of, uh, there's, unlike the stock market, you know, there's no, there's no uh, Vanguard retirement fund, you know, to, to go yeah. do. You've got all these different choices and you have to kind of figure out what matches your skill set and your risk tolerance. And so uh, after trying a whole bunch of things, you know, learning what I didn't like and what didn't work for me or what was just too much work, you know, mm -hmm. for me as an investor, I pretty much settled on, um, you know, apartments and self storage, but through through a syndication as a limited partner. So all I'm doing is putting up the money with a bunch of other people to, you know, to buy these really large projects and we get, you know, great returns in excess of 20% annually. Wow. And, uh, and, and we get tax benefits and the benefits of the syndicators leverage. So you get all the benefits of real estate. Uh, but you don't have to do any work. And frankly, since I have done it both ways where I was doing it myself, I actually make more money letting somebody else do the work, which is kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's just a really, it's a really great thing. Well, let's talk about syndicates. So how mm -hmm. do you find, so if somebody's a new investor, they may not be able to buy something themselves. They might not, you know, they might not have the credit or they might, there right. might be other issues. So how do you find the right group to partner with to pull your money together? Yeah, that's a great, that's the million dollar question because <laughs> um, you have to, I would say the way I do it is I get it, it has to come to me from a recommendation mm -hmm. from somebody that that's I know, like, and trust yeah. from somebody who has a track record. And, and you really need to, uh, you, a new investor really needs to join uh, a group of people that are doing this, and I could certainly uh, promote those, and they're on my website. But these are these are people that are that are investing in these things, and I can and there's a forum, and I can go in there and say, okay, here's the six syndicators that I found, and who who's invested with them, and what has been the experience. Ah. So that's that's how you do it. You really have to, you know. Um, uh, Jim Rohn said, uh, uh, you're, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, your salary, mm -hmm. your success, whatever. So you need to start surrounding yourself with people that are doing the things that you want to do. And so, yeah, you have to find a group. Uh, and there are, there are real estate, they call them RIAs, R-E-I-A's, real, uh, real Estate Investor Associations all over the mm, country, okay. they're clubs. But for the most part, my experience has been these are active for active investors, people who want to do it themselves. And they got to, you know, they got to buy it. They got to hammer the nail. They got to oh, manage yeah. the property and they, all that kind of stuff. And if you want to do that, that's fine. Well, I don't want to take on another job, right. Or any right. job for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so anyway, there, there are groups out there that you can join uh, where you can get all kinds of information and, and, and be around people who have, 
who are already working with some of these syndicators and you can find out what the track record is. And, you know, unlike being a, a, a stock market investor, you're never going to get to call up or have lunch with the CEO of Coca-Cola, right. but you can, <laughs> with these people, you can, you can call them up, you could go visit them, you can have lunch with them and make some, you know, make some personal assessments about their character and, you know, and their integrity and things like that. So that's a, that's a great thing. And, you know, you make, you meet, you make, you meet some people and make some great friends and business acquaintances along the way. It's a, it's really nice. a lot of fun. Wonderful. Yeah. Cause I know I've seen ads for like invest in real estate, do this, do that, but you never know which ones <laughs> to look at. So I like the idea of like starting with the uh, real, would you say REIA real estate? Yeah. The real estate investor association. RIA, RIA is yeah, the kind of industry term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you start with the RIAs and then you can expand from there, but at least you know that those are people who have, you know, hopefully concerted interest mm -hmm. in, investment, um, advice, ideas, they've done it, they have some experience, mm -hmm. right. um, and you can go from there. Um, now, you you mentioned uh, your daughter in college and a younger son who you're doing some classes with. Do you have mm -hmm. two kids? You have more yeah, than two, two, kids? two kids? Two, yeah, they're, they're just, they're right around 30. They're like 22 months apart. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so you started, and your son is younger. So yeah, when your daughter younger. was in uh, college, you were already starting to get him interested in this yeah. kind of investment as well. Yeah, what happened was I had, uh, uh, you know, another one of these kind of just uh, coincidental types of things. I had read the book and had gotten really excited about that. And I was I was in my uh, uh, what I finally my, my post-divorce down by the van, down by the river <laughs> apartment. Yeah. If you ever saw the Chris Farley skit on Saturday Night Live <laughs> um, and, and an ad came on the radio and Robert Kiyosaki's training organization oh. was having a class. Uh, you know, and it was about 25 or 30 miles from where I lived. And so I obviously I signed up and I said, I'm going to go to this. And the, the day I was getting ready to go, my 92 Ford F-150 pickup truck wouldn't start. Mm. And I was like, ah, you know, I, so I found a, a car rental company that would drop off a car to me so I could get to this thing. And the the there's always the there's always the free the the free seminar that turns into the paid one that turns right, right, into right. the bigger paid one. <laughs> and anyway, and so uh, uh, you know, I had just gone through this huge illiquidity event, but I took my son to one of these, and uh, and I put fifteen thousand dollars on a credit card for you know a whole series of trainings all over the country on all different ways to invest wow. in real estate. So he he was probably about sixteen or seventeen at the time in high school, and so we went and did all these. We went and did all these classes together. Some of them were local and some of them, you know, were in other places. And so that was kind of the, that was the beginning of that. And he's a commercial real estate broker today. <laughs> Go <laughs> figure. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> um, and what part of the country are you located in? I'm in South Carolina now, okay. not too far from Charleston. I moved here about a year ago from Seattle. Oh, so okay. I a lot of time in Seattle and uh, decided I wanted to get didn't my, you know, since my job was there and I quit that job in 2018, I didn't, didn't have any reason to stay there. So I came down here for the better weather and the slower mm -hmm. pace of life and all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, and I, do you see a difference in real estate investing and what's available in different parts of the country? Well, it doesn't really, it doesn't, um, it doesn't really affect me because I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not wedded to a local market. I'm still okay. using the same people that I was using before to yeah. buy and invest in real estate in the markets where they believe it's a good place to invest. And none of them were in Seattle and, and <laughs> none of them are in South Carolina. So uh, they're there in places like Arizona and Texas and Georgia and Nevada. 
Mm. but there are that just happens to be i mean i know that there are are are, are syndicators that are doing stuff down here in north and south carolina everything you know, there's kind of a huge migration going on, you know, to kind of the southwest and the southeast. So there are deals to be had down here. Uh, but since I'm not the person doing that, yeah. you know, I'm <laughs> I'm betting on the uh, the jockey, as you as you might say. So nice. Well, and what's one of the um, like what's one of the biggest lessons that you learned when you started out on this journey of investing in real estate? I one of the things there's a couple things one of them I I say is to have a childlike curiosity and that kind of goes with the second one is um, a lot of people are here something like you know I routinely make an excess of 20% annual returns on my yeah. real estate before tax benefits and a lot of people will go oh that's too good to be true therefore I'm out I'm, I don't even consider uh -huh. that the walls go up and I have made so much money walking towards things Mm. that sounded too good to be true uh and so i think you have to uh just have an open mind and and you know not run toward these things but don't run away from them uh because there have you know in, in robert kiyosaki's podcast and in his books he talks about you know uh the real estate investors paying or little or no taxes well in 2019 i paid absolutely the same year that trump paid 750 dollars in taxes i paid zero and i wrote an article about that it's not wow. a political it's not a political article it's yeah. just a and i'm not a guy with an army of lawyers and cpas i'm just an <laughs> investor and i do have a cpa and i made some very strategic moves that allowed me to pay no income taxes by by following the tax law and doing mm -hmm. what the government wants me to do because they have set these rules up because they think these are the things that are good for society and the and the economy and so all i'm doing is following the incentives that they've <laughs> laid out so when mm -hmm. people you know uh, and this this is going to sound kind of harsh but a lot of people are unknowingly making a choice to pay a lot higher taxes mm. because they haven't gotten the education and they're probably going oh well that sounds too good to be true it must be illegal or immoral and only super rich people can do that well that's not the case mm -hmm. the you know the the tax code is meant to motivate behavior and the, and the government knows that we need energy to run the country we need houses and apartments for people to live mm -hmm. uh and mm -hmm. so if you they will they will partner with you in the form of you paying lower taxes if you do some of those things that are for the greater good and so things like that uh you know too good to be true wow uh yeah that's actually not too good to be true <laughs> yeah and unlike some i think a lot of people nowadays think of alternative investments like nfts or bitcoin or cryptocurrency mm -hmm. things that do have a lot of market volatility mm -hmm. and yes. are still related you know they're still <clears throat> adjacent to the stock market where housing there's always going to be a need for housing mm -hmm. yeah. um there's always going to be people like you said migrating to different places depending on the tax benefits of each state depending on what jobs are available yeah. you know sometimes politics comes into it sometimes it doesn't i know yeah. i'm in california the, i lived in texas before the weather <laughs> here i could i could move back to texas and have a huge property but you can't beat the weather here <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I was just out there. I was out Santa Monica. I, I oh did. yeah. Okay. So pretty close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm um, just down in Redondo Beach. So yep. yeah, well, I, I had yeah. dinner down there in Redondo Beach. Oh, nice. actually, so, <laughs> right there in the pier. <laughs> so I love the fact because I think a lot of us also, if you've had life experience, you've maybe had that what you're talking about. You've had a job, you've invested in a 401k, you've gone through a divorce, 
you've had to divide assets up, you know, a lot of different situations. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that you were able to recoup that money so quickly by yeah. turning to real estate is mm -hmm. really amazing. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of a story of another friend of mine who was interested in investing in real estate. And so she went to the library and read books every weekend until she mm -hmm. had enough money saved and felt like she could do it. And now she is like an amazing investor. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, you, so you started out, you, you heard from other people who had a little bit more knowledge on different things than you did. You yeah. read books mm -hmm. that helped educate you. You yeah. did your research, you took the classes and then you, and it paid off. So that's amazing. That's congratulations. <laughs> so, thank, thank you. You know, I mean, I know it's and, you know, I, I've got, uh, you know, a, a friend who just went through who's, who's going just went through a similar situation. And, you know, and he's pretty much, you know, res, res, uh, resigned himself to this much more, you know, uh, you know, living like a pauper instead of a king in retirement mm. because he went through this financial event and he's uh, I guess that's the path of least resistance for him. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'll just have to, you know, just shrink my lifestyle down to this, this just above poverty level, and that's the way I'll have to live. And I'm like, why would you make that choice? Right? right. They're all yeah. alternatives. And what if you even knew a guy who knew how to do this? You know, and, and he does, <laughs> like, right? <I'm> here. <laughs> <laughs> so you've written a book, mm -hmm. um, and it's called "Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Money: Why You Need Alternative Investments." When did the book come out? It came out last November. Okay. And it's uh it's it's a, you know it's about 120 pages. It's a 2-hour read. It's got color charts and graphics in it and um the main thing is uh I created something called the hierarchy of investors which compares Ooh. alternative investments and conventional investments across 13 different categories. And conventional investments only have one advantage and that's liquidity. You can you can you will buy and sell them with the push of a button. You know, you buy. So if you decide you made a bad stock pick, you can get out of it tomorrow. If you made a bad real estate deal, you can't get out of it tomorrow. It's right. not that easy. So that's the only advantage. And so I go through and and I I, I talk about uh, I compare you know the, the two asset classes across these thirteen categories, and I take one of my real investments, which is believe it or not ATM machines, oh. and I show across all those thirteen categories how these ATM machines have performed, you know, before the pandemic, all through the pandemic, not a, not a hitch developed, you know, just producing cash flow, And, um, and so, uh, you know, the first part of it is really to convince uh, people that, that these investments are so superior in just, you know, 12 of these 13 categories. Okay. And, and then I talk about taxes and why your 401k sucks and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully by the end of the book, you know, people go, oh my gosh, I need to move down this path, right? If, if they don't say that, then I didn't do my job very well, so. Yeah, well, and talk about that. So how did you move from real estate into, because you said you um, do like self-storage now, um, ATMs and other kinds of things that people wouldn't, I mean, definitely the, I mean, ATMs, I wouldn't, I guess, yeah, I think, oh, somebody owns those, but I didn't think of that as an investment opportunity. Yeah, right. Well, this is once you get in the, once you join some groups and get around the right people, we call, we call it deal flow. You're going to see so much mm -hmm. stuff and there'll be so many opportunities to invest. It's, you're going to have this shiny object syndrome. Oh gosh, that looks really interesting. <laughs> I want to do that. Oh gosh, let me do that. And so you really have to, 
at the end of the day, come up with some type of investment criteria mm-hmm. that says, hey, and then and I put this in the book, you know, okay. so here's the things that I want from my investments. You know, I want appreciation. Do I want cash flow? Do I want both? Do I want them to have a built-in tax advantage? Mm-hmm. Um, do I want it to be an asset that you can use, use leverage and insure? Uh, things like that. So once you kind of say, this is what I'm looking for, then it becomes really easy to go, oh, nope, I, I, I said I wanted X uh-huh. from my investment. Yeah. And those three mm-hmm. things, they're as interesting as they are. That's not what I said I was looking for. Yes. So uh, yeah, so there's just so many, you know, uh, people are syndicating car, you know, so if we, if we have time to talk about a syndication, yeah. Yeah, Kevin, what it. It, what it is for a minute. So if, if your listeners are driving down the street, and they see, um, they see a car wash, or they see an apartment building under construction, it's very unlikely that one company or one individual put up the money to build that facility, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Most likely what happened is they formed a syndication and syndication is nothing more than some people pooling their money mm-hmm. to buy something more than they could if they were just doing it by themselves. So let's say it's a, it's a, you know, a $100 million apartment building. So one person didn't, didn't, didn't put the $30,000, the $30 million <laughs> yeah. down to get the bank loan. You know, a couple hundred people like me, you know, got together and said, let's come up with the $30 million and we'll buy this together. And then uh, we're what we, what's called limited partners. And then there's a general partner. There's a hand, you know, a handful, you know, one to five, maybe general partners, and then a whole bunch of limited partners. And then there's a split. We split the profits, usually 60-40 or 70-30. It depends. And uh, so that's what a syndication is. And like I said, it could be a department building. It could be car washes. It could be ATM machines. And so you really have to, you know, and there's, you know, there's risks and things associated with those. The one thing I like about um, apartment buildings is that there's no technology or anything, you know, whether it be single family rentals or apartment buildings, you know, there's no technology on the horizon that is replacing a people's need to go home every night and right. have a place to sleep and have a meal and spend time with their family. Yeah. There's just nothing out there. So that is going to be around for a long, long time until we get to some futuristic <laughs> place, which will probably be way beyond my lifetime. So, <laughs> Well, and um, if people want to read your book, they want to follow you to get more tips on how to look for investments, what kind of things they can go to your website? Yeah, if they go to the prolificinvestor.net, not .com, <laughs> .net, uh, the, the, the book is there. Um, there's a whole bunch of references. Um, if there's a, there's a coffee cup, if you want to have a free 30-minute virtual coffee with me, I do those on Thursdays. And so all the social Fun. media links, the prolificinvestor.net is the one-stop shopping. It's the easiest way to do it. So. Awesome. Okay, so then if you had, and this might, this may be a lot, this might not be a lot, but I like to ask this question. If you had $100,000 today mm-hmm. and, you know, tax-free, just money to do whatever you wanted with, what would you invest it in or how, how would you spend that money? Oh, oh, that's two very different questions. Oh, Spending okay. <laughs> versus investing. Well, I'll show you where, I'll show you where I would spend it. <laughs> So this is the brand new mid-engine Corvette <laughs> that I'm on the list to buy, and it would cost a little bit more than the number you just mentioned. Wow. So uh, I'm going to buy one of those because they're way cool. Uh, or I would continue doing what I'm doing. I would put it in a. I would put it in an apartment uh, syndication. I'm actually kind of shifting my focus a little bit more toward 
uh, self storage based on some things that I've heard recently. Hmm. Um, uh, there, there, you know, if you look at what happened, you know, with the pandemic, we had moratoriums on evictions, right? So if you're a landlord or an apartment owner, this kind of becomes a problem when you can't enforce your side of the agreement, right? Because right. the government said so. Well, to my knowledge, there weren't any eviction moratoriums on self-storage, right? Ah. So, and with apartment buildings, you know, every 12 months, you have the opportunity to adjust the rent based on market conditions. Mm -hmm. With self-storage, you're on a month-to-month -month contract. So uh, anyway, I'm thinking about moving a little bit more in self-storage and Ooh. people are moving around the country and downsizing and uh, I happen to be a consumer of a self-storage place myself because I'm renting right now until I decide where around this area mm -hmm. I want to buy. But uh, yeah, so I would keep on doing what I'm doing. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. So is there anything else that um, you would want to share with our audience today? Yeah, I would just say, uh, you know, keep an open mind. There's, uh, there is uh, so much more than stocks, bonds, and mutual funds via mm -hmm. 401k, and you're really doing your yourself and your family a disservice if you don't look at this other area and you know just my story the ability in nine years to take a a 55 percent loss and the number was and multiply it multiply what was left 5.6 times in nine years and never have to work again and you know i'm 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 i didn't i don't come from a you know i don't have an mba or a financial background or anything like that i learned it by getting educated but outside of you know the yeah. you know the normal conventional system and even if, if i went and got an mba i never would have learned the stuff that yeah. i learned you know in, in that classroom so uh and what's great about today is there's never been an easier time to learn there's so much free information this podcast i mean you know i yes i have paid for coaches and i have paid for classes but most of the information that i received has been very inexpensive podcasts youtube joining various groups. So it, it, this is, there's never been an easier time to, you know, learn and, and change the direction of your life. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, this is the first time we've talked about alternative investments on this podcast. So I think it's going to be really interesting and valuable. I know I learned a lot and I know our audience will too. So thank you to our audience and listeners for coming back for another week of Giving Credit, the podcast that talks about credit, finance, and all the things that we need to educate ourselves and the next generation on. And with that, we'll be back again. Great, thanks. This podcast has been brought to you by Kitty Credit, a mobile app designed to educate children on the credit system by completing chores. Now available in the App Store and on Google Play. For more information, go to kittycredit.com, K-I-D-D-I-E, K-R-E-D-I-T dot com. Kitty credit, get it, kitty, kitty credit, get it, kitty credit, get it, kitty, kitty credit.